You're listening to North Bay Christ the King's weekly sermon podcast. In this week's message, Pastor Tyler Mitchell tells the story of an impossible task made possible through faith. So um, we're in the middle of a series called Flawed. If you've been around this summer, we've heard some really powerful messages about faith and how God uses people who are flawed to accomplish great things, not because they're perfect, but because they have solid faith in Him. And uh, last week we heard from Rob Rogers, and he talked about Moses. And he talked about how Moses wrestled with like uncertainty with what God was calling him to do. And God had to almost like beat him over the head, no, you do it. And, uh, and he did it. So it was great to hear from him last week. Uh, as I said, the main idea of this series is that God uses flawed people who are willing to walk with him by faith. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't just uh, use people who are perfect, who have life all together and, and that ha- have got it all figured out. He uses people who've made mistakes, who've, who, who have problems. And uh, what that should do is give us hope. <laughs> uh, it gives me hope that God can use us in, in the midst of uh, our struggle. And so we've been on a journey looking at this chapter, Hebrews 11, which walks through all these people in Scripture uh, that chose to say yes to God, chose to follow God by faith and obey what He was calling them to do. Before we get too into it, though, I want to start with a question for you. Have you ever quit something that you felt was too difficult? Have you ever quit something? Uh, when I was in college, I first got to college, and I was ready to try new things. And so I had this great idea that after three years of playing basketball in high school, I'd play rugby. Uh, anybody play rugby out there? A few people? They're a little different. A little different. Um, I was going really good for the first couple weeks. Uh, I was learning how to pass the ball. Uh, I was listening as the coaches were asking themselves, what are we going to do with this guy? Um, and then we got into tackling drills. And I got drilled time and time and time again. And I, I thought, you know, I'm a basketball guy. I'm just, I'm wired soft. So, um, and I didn't have any anger problems at that point. So, um, so I quit the team. I was like, forget it. Here's my cleats, man, I'm, I'm, I'm out, you know, and I kind of shied away because rugby people are, are pretty tough. So, uh, yeah, but that was something that I felt was too difficult for me, and so I quit. You see, the book of Hebrews was written to a group of believers who could have been really, really tempted to quit, who had been through so much stuff. Um, see, in chapter 10 of Hebrews, before we even get to this section, um, the, the uh, writer is encouraging them to keep going in their hard struggle, to keep going even though they've experienced being publicly exposed, um, beaten up, um, even though they've, they've been scorned and mocked in their culture, even though they've had friends and family who've been imprisoned and even killed for trusting in God. And so it's in that context where the author says, okay, here, I want to walk you through Scripture and show you how God 
um, God helped people by faith hang on to him as they endured suffering, as they endured pain in following him, in being obedient. You know, there are times in our life and there are times in our relationship with God that are so difficult or God has us in a place that feels so impossible that we want to give up and that we want to quit. And sometimes our faith looks like hanging on to God in those moments, just hanging on like, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why I'm going through this right now, but I'm just going to trust you. And Hebrews 11 is filled with people like that. People who just hung on. People who just stayed in the game. And the specific person that we'll look at today is Noah. Noah is an interesting guy. Um, Noah is a hard guy to talk about and preach about because his story is so, like, it seems like unrelatable, you know. Um, It's like this story of an ark and a boat and animals that just, like, flock to the boat and, like, you know, um, rainbows and, and Russell Crowe is in there somewhere. Um, it's just, it's hard, hard to relate. And uh, so, so yeah, but, but Hebrews references the story of Noah. And, and I think we're going to get a lot out of this today. I hope, hope we are. Um, this will not be like Sunday school. So um, Hebrews 11, 6 through 7 says this. It says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. You know, this story of Noah, it's one of the most like sensational and mind-boggling stories of the Bible. It's like if you want to be a skeptic about God, you choose to focus on Noah. It's like how could you, you know, believe in this kind of like worldwide flood and there's debates and, and all that. And, and, you know, it brings in like God and science and how do you like rectify all this. Uh, We've got people searching for the ark in Turkey as we speak. It's like Indiana Jones is on this. Um, And recently in Kentucky, they they rebuilt the ark. I don't know if you've heard about this, but they spent two years like rebuilding like the actual ark. So now you have a reason to visit Kentucky uh, if you want (laughs) to go there someday. Um, but today, you know, instead of focusing on all the debates and all the questions and, and surrounding the ark and the flood, it's instead of focusing on like, well, this is what, you know, scientists believe and this is what the Bible says, we're not really going to focus on any of that today. Um, so in, in going into Noah's story, we're going to assume two things. We're going to assume that what the Bible says about Noah is true. And we're going to assume that what God We're going to assume that God wants to teach us something through this story. God put it there because he wants to teach us something through the story of Noah. And so today we get to kind of leave the debates and all that stuff behind. And we just get to focus on the person of Noah and his relationship with God. And his faith in God. We get to zero in on Noah as a person and try to figure out, okay, what kept Noah going? What kept Noah going in this? 
And so first we need to go back to Genesis 6 because that's where this story is. It's in Genesis. And we need to find out like what, um, what, what's going on with, uh, with Noah. So this is what Genesis 6 uh, verse 5 says. It says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I'm sorry that I've made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. First off, this is a heavy situation. This is, these are heavy, heavy words coming from God. Um, it's, just a, it's just a heavy situation. Basically, God created the world and we sinned. And in these early years, God just let that play out. God let, um, God, God let man sin to the fullest of its, his capability, her capability. God God allowed them to just be selfish. And the result of that, as we talked about with Cain and Abel, is that selfishness leads to destruction. And so you have people here who are abusing each other, killing each other, and just making a mockery of God. People that created by God and just stuck in their sin. And so what I want you to get here is God's response I want you to get God's response because God's response to all that is deep, deep pain. It says that God was grieved. God was grieved in his heart um, so much that he regretted. Now, I want to be careful here. <clears throat> that regret, it doesn't mean that God's saying he made a mistake. <clears throat> that regret is a feeling that God has. If you could imagine like your own relationship, if you have kids, you imagine your own relationship with your kids and how, how desperate you are for your kids, how desperate you are for your kids uh, to succeed, to make good choices. And when, when they mess up, it hurts, right? When they, when they mess up, it hurts. And I think that's what we see in the heart of God is just this, this hurt. But we get to Noah and it says this. It says that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. But Noah, thank God for that. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, Noah is the only one on earth, only one on earth who, who God found favor in. You know, among everybody else in his generation, God found favor in Noah. And what's interesting about this idea of finding favor is it, it's really not that like Noah was this great, amazing guy and God's like, oh, he's, at least he's pretty good. I'm going to choose him. What that word favored better translates to is grace, that Noah found grace in God, that found grace with God. <clears throat> it's not that, that Noah was an inherently good person. I mean, if you read to the end of Noah's story, uh, he's drunk and naked. I mean, it's weird at the end of the story. So I'm going to save that for, for later sometime. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but God chose in his grace, he chose Noah. God chose Noah and he chose to initiate a relationship with him. And we don't know what that looks like. We don't know how he initiated relationship, but he did. Um, and in the same way, God chooses us. I mean, we choose God. 
But there's this mystery where God also, like, he chooses us. In Ephesians 1, 4, it says that he chose us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy before him. You know, every part of us knowing God is, is, is God's extending grace. God wants relationship. God, God puts that in our hearts to seek him. And uh, so, so God chooses Noah, and then one day he reveals this big plan that he has. He's, he has this big plan, and Noah's the only one who God tells this plan to. This is what it says <clears throat> in verse 13. It says, And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Okay, make yourself an ark. Okay, what's that? Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. And this is how you are to make it. The length of the ark is 300 cubits. It's breadth, breadth, I don't know how to say that word, 50 cubits, and it's height, 30 cubits. Uh, Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. Whew, okay, if you're Noah right now, you're kind of freaking out. Like, this is a big project. God's not telling Noah, hey, go remodel your kitchen. Like, this is... This is big. He's like, I want you to build this massive boat. This will be bigger than any, anything the world has seen before. Uh, the way this measured out was 450 feet long. So if you have a 17-foot fishing boat, just like pull that right up to, next to Noah's Ark, and you'll kind of get an idea of how big this boat is. Um, it'll be so big that it, I mean, they measured this out. It, it was so big it could hold like 522 railroad cars in this boat. Um, It could hold, it had a capacity to hold 125,000 sheep. I mean, if you wanted to. I'm glad that he put other animals in there, but you know. Um, And if you think of this one guy building it, you know, without without a lumber yard, uh, without tools, without anything, he has to do the whole process. He has to uh, he has to cut down the trees. He has to mill the wood. He has to do all of that stuff. And so this is not a small project. But then God tells Noah the purpose, and it gets a little crazier. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And every living thing of all flesh, you shall uh, shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds according to their kinds, of of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind, Two of every sort shall come into you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. So God says, here you go, Noah. This is what obedience looks like. It's this huge, daunting task. So, and the payoff is that you get to live. You know, it's like, man, come on, God. This is not fun. Um, you know, how would you respond to, the, to God in, in this moment? If you were in Noah's shoes, how would you respond? 
you know, if you believe, if you trust God, like your whole life is going to get turned upside down. You know, this is not, this was not a weekend project. Um, they measured this out like the, on the short end and, and they lived a lot. The Bible says they lived a lot longer back then. On the short end, this project was going to take Noah 70 years to complete. 70 years. Um, you know, that is a whole lifetime. That's like starting a building project in like the 40s and then wrapping it up now. You know, I mean, it's huge. Um, you know, what would the people around him think? What, what would the people around him think? I mean, because, because they don't believe in why he's building this ark, you know? Can you imagine the, the rejection, the scorn that people had? Like, oh, you're building a boat because you think that we're all going to die because a flood is coming in 70 years. You know, I mean, it just... It, it, you're, you're, you're kind of putting yourself out there. Plus, it's an ark. It, like, becomes your life. Like, people notice an ark being built. Um, and so, not only do, are you alone, you're building and building and building and building. Every day, getting up, doing that same task and, and getting this thing built. So, I, lo I love the response here. What was Noah's response? Verse 22, it just says this. Noah did this. Okay. <laughs> Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. That's all it says. It doesn't tell us about those 70 years. It just says, yeah, Noah did that. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. He took it on. He got it done. How? How? is my question. What kind of faith did Noah have that kept him going day after day, that kept him at this task? I think Noah believed a couple things about God that helped sustain him. If you look back uh, at Hebrews, it says that Noah built this ark out of reverent fear of God. That, that ultimately Noah's reverent fear of God helped keep him in the game. And if you're like me, you don't really like that word that much, like reverent fear. I mean, it sounds kind of like scary. Um, you know, it's not an appeal that, like, it's not a phrase that really appeals to us. Um, I think sometimes we get this idea of reverence confused because of what we've seen. Um, reverence does not mean piety. Uh, it doesn't refer to like an outward show, like, oh yeah, a reverence, I'm going to come and show, like, show up at church and put my face on and, and that's it. Or like looking at, at the show, it's not, it, it, like we know that Jesus rejects that, rejects self-righteousness. Um, you know, he called out the Pharisees for putting on the show and then showing no compassion to those, uh, to those around him. So that's, that's not what reverence is. Reverent fear uh, doesn't have anything to do with, with, with piety. Um, instead, it means a living with the right perspective of God. Uh, living under the rule of a weighty God, like a God who is God. Um, it means honoring God in all we do. It doesn't mean trying to act a certain way when you're around a certain crowd. You know, I see it, it's like the uh, reaction that Isaiah had when he sees a vision of God in heaven and he, he bows down. He says, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. 
you know, when we see God, when we see God for who he is, we get really, really small, you know, and our concerns and our worries and, and all of that becomes small. And then our picture and view of God gets really, really big. And, and we see that, yes, God, you, you can uh, do what you said you'd do. You can keep your promises. Um, and then when we see God for who he is, what he desires becomes big. But his will becomes big for us. So through faith, God gets bigger than our struggles. Now how? I want to talk about that. How? Faith allows us to trust that God is always God. That God is always God. Um, the, the first step towards faith is actually believing that God exists and that he's always who he said he is. That's the first step of faith. And, and uh, if you go back to Hebrews 11.6, it says you got to believe. If you want to draw near to God, you have to believe that he exists first. And whether you've been a Christian a while or not, I mean, we're always wrestling with that when we wrestle with faith. Like, does, I mean, does God really exist? Is he really there? Is, is what I believe actually true? You, and I don't, I'm not here to convince you that God exists. But can you remember a time where you experienced the reality of God? In your life? Can you remember a time where you experienced the reality of God? Maybe it was a sense of God being with you in a really difficult place. Uh, maybe it was an was a actual miracle, a time where you could point back in your life and say, man, God was there. God was there. Because our belief in God's existence, it has to go beyond just our reasoning, just our mind to our experience, to us actually experiencing God. And if you're in a place where you're struggling with doubt this morning, um, the encouragement to you is to seek him out, to ask those questions, to engage God in trying to figure out if he is real and if he'll come through. You know, one time I was on, um, I was 20 years old and I was on a mission trip in London. And uh, the goal of this mission trip was to talk to other people about Jesus. And I got really, really discouraged because I realized that these people who I was talking to about Jesus who didn't believe knew more than I did. And so I was broken at one point and I, and I spent all night just praying and reading uh, the Gospel of John and I asked God this question. I was like, Jesus, who are you? It was the first time I had ever read uh, the Bible asking God that question. Just, Jesus, who are you? Show yourself to me. And in that moment, God touched me in, in, in a real way with a sense of this is, is who I am. I am a God who loves you, who sent his son to die for you, who is with you. And I continued on that, <clears throat> that journey. If we believe... <clears throat> that God is real, that's what we need to do first before we can obey him. If we're struggling to obey God, we've got to go back to like, do I believe that God is real? And then we can be confident in obeying him. Because believing that God is always God helps us obey even in times where we want to quit. Even in times where we want to give up. If God is always God, we can, we can keep going. 
Noah doesn't question God. He doesn't question God. I mean, you know, he did all of this. He looked at this 70-year, 80-year project and said, okay, all right. I don't know. Actually, I don't know what he said, but he just did it. Um, so we, but yeah, he followed, he followed God. He obeyed him because earlier it says Noah walked with God. Noah had sought God out and knew that he is always God, that he's always in control. So faith allows us to trust that God is always God, and faith allows us to trust that God is always gracious. The good news is, is that not only is God real, and not only is God always God, but He is a good God, and He is a gracious God. And um, even in this story, where God, where, where God is about to wipe out all of, um, all of these people, uh, he is showing his grace. He's showing his grace. Second Peter 2 calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. So what that means is that Noah wasn't just building an ark. He was warning people as if this big boat was not enough. Like he was warning people like, hey, get right with God. Get right with God. God wants to be reunited. God always wants to be reunited with his children. And so, God wasn't just trying to save Noah. He wanted others to follow suit, but no one did. And so, for 70 years, Noah's life and message was all about warning people. Like, God is coming. God, be reconciled to God. 70 years is a, is a pretty significant heads up. You know, it's not like a 30-day notice or 60-day notice. It's, it's a 70-year. I would take a 70-year notice. So it would be great. Um, so the good news is that we serve a God who's patient with us. And he goes, he goes out of his way to rescue us, just like he rescued Noah and his family. He didn't give up entirely on man, his creation. He's like, well, I, I, we have to start over. And Noah, you're the heir to this thing. And I will make a covenant with you and I will protect you. Um, for your faith and for believing in me. And, and after, you know, after all this is over, Noah and his children repopulate the earth. And that mission, um, yeah. And, but it's still, it's still difficult. We have these realities that, that God is always God and God is always gracious. But the path forward is still difficult. God calls us uh, sometimes to things that, that feel too hard, uh, whether that's a job or a family situation or whatever that is. Like there are things in our lives that seem too hard, that seem like at any moment the bottom is going to fall out. So the main takeaway, the main thing I want to focus on today is that faith allows us to trust God enough to endure. In our faith, we've, we've touched on a lot of things, but there's an element of endurance in our faith. Our faith is, uh, we're called to have faith that endures. I want to go to Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. It says, um, this is after uh, the writer of Hebrews goes through everybody, all these examples of faith. Uh, and he says this, this is his encouragement to those people who are uh, struggling and suffering. He says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight 
and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for who the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Like that's, that's what this is all about, just so that you may not give up, that you don't grow weary and faint-hearted. In this race that we run, in this life that we live, we carry different weights uh, that pull us down and make us want to quit. But the encouragement that, that these examples of faith are to us is don't give up, don't give in, keep going. Real quickly, uh, there's three things that we endure in, in, uh, in our life. The first thing we endure is sin. That's the first thing that we, we are called to endure. Um, you know, we're living, they, they're living in this time where everybody is about themselves and they're self-destructive. But enduring faith means not giving in, not giving in to sin. And when we do give in to sin, we go back to that God who is gracious, who's willing to forgive. So whether that, that the, the uh, giving in to what society says is, is, is normal, giving in to just living a, a comfortable life apart from God, uh, whether that's giving into like the sexual norms of our culture, uh, whether that's giving into an addiction, like our faith helps us through our faith, God empowers us to overcome sin, and it's it's through our faith, it's through seeking Him that we have that power to overcome. The second thing we endure is pain. And can you imagine what Noah's body must have felt like after like fifty or sixty years of this? I mean, maybe he was like He-Man, you know, just huge, but um, he probably was pretty sore. Um, this race that God calls us to run involves pain. And it's, it's work, it involves pain. But what's cool about pain is that it refines us. God uses the pain in our life to make us more like Christ. And sometimes that's not what we want to hear, and I know that. But that's the cool thing about pain is that it refines us. It makes us more like Christ. The last thing is, uh, is rejection. We endure rejection. You know, we don't live in a, in a time like Noah or, you know, anything remote, you know, kind of close to that. You know, we, there are people who are walking in faith. Um, but nevertheless, this fear of other people creeps in, this fear of rejection of other people, of other, uh, of other people's opinions, it, it causes us to shrink back, causes us to be quiet. You know, we don't want to be misunderstood if we, if we speak out, or if we, if we tell people about Jesus, we, we fear that we'll be misunderstood. And uh, that's, that's something that God calls us to accept. Here in Hebrews, the author gives us Jesus as our image. And one thing that I know that's true is that Jesus was okay with being misunderstood. Jesus was okay with being misunderstood. He endured rejection and, and uh, cruelty and, and being humiliated because he knew that it would bring salvation to us and that would, it, we would please his Father. And so, so as you seek God and as you grow and become more secure in your faith, it will help you give that fear up because we all have it. We all have that fear of rejection. No matter how small it is, we all have it. And God helps us endure through that.
so the, 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 uh, the point as the worship team comes up, um, the big idea here today is that through faith, we trust that enduring, enduring this race, enduring um, this, our faith, enduring this journey with God will all be worth it. You know, because eventually Noah finished the ark. Eventually Noah finished the ark and then everything, I, and I don't know if, if God like reminded him like during this time, um, but eventually everything that God said came true. The flood came, everything came true. And in that moment, Noah's faith became sight. What Noah had worked so hard and, and people thought was crazy, all of a sudden it became sight. It became true. And some of us hold back, I think, in our faith because we're afraid that God will disappoint us. We're afraid that God will let us down. You know, over the past two weeks, uh, I've had the privilege of, of being in the room with someone that, that was about to pass on. Um, two, two different ladies who, who finished their race well, who endured, who trusted in, in Christ. And I, le- I went to encourage, but I left inspired because of how confident they were in where they were going. And um, Hebrew, Hebrews doesn't say that it's just about believing that God exists, but that he rewards that he's going to come through, that he won't disappoint us. And so in our faith, I pray that for you, that you would, you would believe with your heart that God will not let you down. That when you seek him, he will not let you down. So I, I'm not sure where you're at this morning, what your struggle looks like, um, but my question is the same for all of us today. is just, will you trust him? Will you trust him that this race is worth it? Will you trust him? Let's pray. God, you are so good to us, God. Even, even when things don't make sense, even when um, we have pain and suffering in our life, you are, you are always good to us, God. I pray that as we, as we continue this race, no matter where any, anyone is at, God, that you would give us strength today to take that next step whatever that step is, God, that you would give us strength to take it. Um, God, that we would live with a peace in your, uh, in your provision, God, in your love for us, and in the fact that you're real, that you're God. I pray that you would empower us, God, to live lives of faith, that you would give us the faith that Noah had to just do it, <laughs> to just do it, God. Um, Lord, we pray this this morning, God. We ask for strength. We ask for uh, you to reveal yourself to us in a real way. Uh, this week, God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us, God. I thank you for a community like this where we, where we live this out together. So, Jesus, we thank you, God. Uh, we, we love you. In your name we pray.